Welcome to Lessons from Sweet Valley, the podcast where we re-examine the Sweet Valley High series one book at a time and determine what lessons, if any, we can learn from them. My name is Kat Thomas, and today we are discussing Book 15, Promises. Today's guest is a fellow Midwesterner and a Sweet Valley High reader since the age of nine. She's also known to get up at 3.30 in the morning to get a run-in before heading to work. Donna Wurzbicki. Hi. <laughs> Did I get that last name right? It, yeah, Wurzbicki. Wurzbicki. Yeah, that is absolutely fine. I never expect anybody to get it right <laughs> or yeah. spell it right, you know. <laughs> it's a unique one, but I like it. Handful. Mouthful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Donna, it's great to have you. And you started reading this series early. So did you read yeah. any of the early, like Sweet Valley Kids or Twins? Yeah. Or did uh, Sweet Valley Twins is what someone started me out on. And I was like, mm, this isn't exciting enough. And then somehow I found Sweet Valley High. You know, I had, it was the 80s, so there was no adult supervision. So I could read whatever I wanted. And so, yeah, I started reading them in fourth grade. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I like what you said. Um, you had written to me that you said that it, it shaped your idea of what high school could be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, my gosh. I had such high hopes for high school. They made it seem so exciting. And I got there in the early 90s where it was just grunge and everyone was already cynical and it was nothing at all like this series. <laughs> no, that's really interesting about the 90s and that, yeah. that grunge phase. I, you know, because Sweet Valley... Yeah, it's so <laughs> idyllic and bright yes. Yes. and cheerleaders and yes. sororities and, and <laughs> sunshine. <laughs> yes, and Midwest oh. in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it was a time. <laughs> yes, and I think that's also true, being from the Midwest and reading these books. It does feel like a completely different world, like fantasy yeah. world. Yeah, it seems like a totally different world. But I seriously thought that somehow that's what happened when you got to high school is everything turned into a California type experience. <laughs> right. What a letdown. <laughs> yeah, we can get into this book a little bit. It kind of continues a storyline from two books ago, episode 12, When Love Dies. And that's where yeah. we kind of hear, I know, another real upper of a book. <laughs> That one was depressing. And the start of this one, oh, it was almost too much for me this morning when I was reading it, you know? Yeah. So, well, first of all, so you, you've just literally finished the book. I was reading bits and pieces, but not in the right order through the week. I kept forgetting where I left off. So I just woke up at four this morning and powered through. <laughs> <laughs> that is... So I feel like I've been awake forever already. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You've been on an emotional journey. <laughs> it was so emotional. I mean, when you're tired and you read that first chapter and it's just so sad <laughs> yeah this book starts in a really emotional way and yeah so yeah. we basically come into betsy's deathbed or trisha's trisha trisha martin's yes. deathbed yes, yes thank you yes. i'm already confusing yes. the two sisters yes because betsy couldn't be bothered to show up <laughs> i know and that's the thing it's trisha is basically she's dying you know yeah. it is happening and it is the Wakefields, the whole Wakefield family, and that's yeah. really it at her deathbed. Yeah, no dad, no sister, and I mean, but what a beautiful death she had. I mean, <laughs> I wish, like, that is so non-realistic. It brought back horrible memories, you know, for me, because I was in the room with my dad when he, you know, when he passed. And I, as I'm reading the book, I'm like, well, thank goodness it was so peaceful for her, but that's not exactly realistic, you know? 
Yeah, and, you know, eventually the Wakefields let Steven be alone with Trisha. Yeah. And this is where she asks, Trisha asks Steven to do something for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically asks him to take care of her sister, yeah, Betsy. Yeah, or she made him promise, and I, the, you know, hence the title of the of the book. And God, what a load to put on someone. I mean, how old is Stephen? Is he eighteen in the book? Do you think, or like twenty? I mean, he's in college. I don't know if he's a freshman in college or a sophomore. Probably nineteen twenty, I would say. Yeah, something like that, and like, what a load to put on, you know, on him. It's like. Oh, you know, but of course, poor Trisha, she knows that there's no one else there that's going to take care of Betsy. You know, she knows her dad's not going to do it. <laughs> I know. And I don't want to to fault Trisha for that right. promise, you know, but a part of me is like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing to this poor guy? But the, the same time, I'm like, oh, gosh, she's dying. I don't know what to think. <laughs> I know. Dying people should be allowed to just say whatever they want. You know? I know. <laughs> and it's tough because, I mean, that is a very vague promise a very vague request to ask of a young boy who probably just doesn't know what that means or how to navigate that no no I don't even think an adult would know how to navigate that right that's a really good point and yeah and that's kind of the impetus for the rest of the book which is in a way about grieving grieving and scheming (laughs) you said it perfectly Because, yeah. All sorts of scheming. <laughs> Always. I Always know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So poor Stephen. Trisha has passed away and they're leaving the hospital, the Wakefields. And this is where Betsy enters the book. That was dramatic. <laughs> it was dramatic. Storming through the front door and drunk and. Yeah. They booze from feet away. And. I mean, they basically have to tell her that she has passed, which is. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. A tough yeah, moment. Yeah, that's rough. Like, and she just missed it. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's just, that is heartbreaking. It really is. Just, a, But at the same time, I can see why she is the way she is. I think anybody can, you know, or any, any adults that's been through things by this point in our lives. I mean, I'd be out at a bar getting wasted too if like I had lost my mom and now my sister's dying of the same exact cancer that you know her mom died of and and you know the dad's not around so I mean who can really fault her it's like self-medication and especially when you don't have you know the emotional intelligence at that age yeah nor the support you know she doesn't have any support system in place none yeah so she's navigating this on her own and it's only natural that she would go to some maybe destructive behaviors to numb out a little bit. Yeah, I, I, everyone gets it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Everyone except Jessica. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> yes, and the Wakefields offer to to bring her back to their house to have her stay there for until at least her father shows up. <laughs> so we have Betsy in like the throes of grief and... Mm-hmm. Stephen as well, and also yeah. in the throes of grief. And yeah. and they kind of cope. I think he copes with it in kind of transferring his caring to Betsy mm-hmm. and connecting with that promise he made with Trisha. Right. It gave him a purpose to at least help him through his his grief. And I feel like it's only natural for Betsy to to grab on to that attention. Of course, because she doesn't get any real loving attention from anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So Betsy is living in the Wakefield study and Jessica is 
completely mortified by this. Oh yeah, she doesn't want to have any, it's all about her and how this is going to make her look to her friends and everybody else. Yeah, yeah, because so <laughs> Betsy does have a bit of a reputation and right. they do not use very nice words, or I would say Jessica doesn't use very nice words. No, not at all. What are her favorites? Tramp? Oh yeah, tramp, trash. Taking the trash out. A lot of trash. Jessica feels like just associating with Betsy is like pulling the Wakefields down. It's almost like she thinks being a poor tramp is contagious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the the low like the low point of the of like the Betsy trashing is when Jessica is confiding in Kara Walker and Lila Fowler about Betsy hanging around. And this is the, this is the quote where I was like, Oh, this is, this is not good. It's where Lila said, how positively awful having to share your home with such low class trash. Why our stable boy has more class than Betsy Martin. I can't, I could not even believe that. I was like, Oh Lord. Those girls, what is wrong with them? I mean, zero empathy. Zero. But, you know, it was the 80s, so they did have to trash talk people like that because they couldn't do it how people do it now, like subtly on the internet. <laughs> That's excited. a very good point. We can just people. <laughs> yeah, all the trash talking was done in person in the yeah. 80s. Yeah, for sure. You know what? It's better that way. <laughs> I mean, you might be right. It's out in the open and at least yeah. people can confront it. Run it, And then maybe people would think twice about actually saying it because it's no one wants to say it, you know, to somebody's face, but they'll want to type all they want about it. <laughs> it's true. And so Jessica's just like, oh, this is this is not good. We should talk about Elizabeth realizes that she's really grateful to have friends around to help her with her grief. And Elizabeth is like, gosh, Betsy doesn't have that. I would love to be that person for her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really, which is great. Opposite of Jessica. She's amazing because she got it right away. And that's the day that, you know, she went home and and found out that Betsy has her true gift. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Yeah. So she goes to see Betsy in the study and Betsy is, is uh, drawing, which we didn't know about Betsy that she, had this creative ability and modern day Michelangelo from the way they tell it. I mean, (laughs) it's a sculptor or something. I don't even know. (laughs) She's got talent. She's got talent. And I really like this moment in the study where they talk about how creativity, like Elizabeth with her writing and then Mm -hmm. Betsy through her drawing really helps give them comfort in times of stress or grief. It's a really nice scene, I think. And Betsy says, to learn that Betsy has um, that outlet to turn to that's not um, going to the shady lady. <laughs> that oh my she gosh. Can the share. shady lady. <laughs> the name of that bar. <laughs> Betsy says, I like to draw happy memories and people I love. Which oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> it is. It is. And they're able to kind of connect around that, Elizabeth and, and Betsy. And so, yeah, so Jessica does discover Betsy's drawings because it's part of her initial plan of trying to get her out which is to she thinks she's going to find some kind of drugs or yeah something in in betsy's stuff oh yeah and then she found the bear (laughs) yeah she's yeah she (laughs) she found the aspirin (laughs) yeah she found like a pillbox and she's like yes i got it 
had got her. Alice will never have this underneath her roof. I'll be able to get her out in a second. I'm surprised she honestly didn't like plant drugs. <laughs> you know, that would have been, I'm not like trying to I, encourage the Jessica behavior, but that probably would have been a little bit of a better idea. I mean, see, that's where my mind went right away. I'm like, girl, just go plant some drugs. Yeah, you can get drugs. Come on, you know everyone, you know? <laughs> exactly. If you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a scheme like that, that seems like a lot less complicated way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and so she doesn't find drugs, but she does find something that horrifies her even more. <laughs> she was hor- I thought she found a dead body or something with her reaction. <laughs> and it's like a cliffhanger too. It's like I know. I know. I, I want to. I knew what it was even before. They I know. Said it. <laughs> but like, oh, like, I, I like want to find this moment. So she's looking through the sketch pad and she's like, and she actually says, oh, she, she gives Betsy a little bit of credit. Actually. I was shocked. She it was shocking. It was shocking. <laughs> she's like, I was like, oh, she does show some humanity. <laughs> I mean, she does say trashy old Betsy Martin's actually an okay artist. Which is Jessica's form of a compliment. <laughs> She's kind of going through the sketches and then it says a jolt of shock shot through her body as she looked at the next picture. Oh my God, she whispered to herself. The sketch pad slipped from her fingers and clattered onto the desktop. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like, whoa. You know, if this was a movie, there would be like a slow motion like shot of the sketchbook falling and like hitting the floor. It's like, no. No. So Jessica goes to Elizabeth and tells her the horror of what she has found. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She's like, there was one picture she probably didn't show you. It was drawn with all the love and care of those other pictures. Jessica paused dramatically and it was of our brother. Oh my, I don't remember Elizabeth's reaction. What was her reaction when Jessica told her? Well, the chapter ended at that moment. Okay, Okay. all right, because I can't, all of a sudden I couldn't remember what hers was. There's a lot of moments in here where I feel like we miss dramatic moments that could have been interesting to read about, like this moment after it was our brother. Like, what happened after that with Jessica and Elizabeth? What was that discussion like? But yeah. then it's like the next next chapter and it says, Jessica slammed her locker shut. Strike one, she told Kara Walker. And like, because the whole drug thing didn't work out. And so it's yeah. like. They needed the next plan to, to get her out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this book really, it does focus a lot on Jessica. Um, it, it does. And it, it, and it seems like so many missed opportunities, like you were saying, for, yes. to, to explore like Stephen's grief and, and his side. Yeah. Like I kind of wanted to know what those those outings were like between him and Betsy when they went out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how Betsy would mistaken his attention for having feelings for her because she doesn't know the, that she has no idea that um, Trisha pro- made him promise to take care of her. She has no idea. She thinks he's doing it because he wants to, where I think he wants to and would have wanted to, but she doesn't know the extent to where he feels like he has to. Yes. Yes. And like that, that pressure yeah. there. Uh, yeah. to, to be responsible for this person yeah. um, while he is going through grief of his own. And trying to juggle college and right that goes with it. You know, his life is just beginning and, and it's like, everyone's just worried, you know, that it'll just stop because of his sense of responsibility to her. Yeah. 
Yeah, we get an we get an interesting kind of scene at the beach disco, Donna. I love the beach disco. Those are one of the things that I thought would be around in high school. I know. Like <laughs> I don't know where I thought in Chicago land I would be going to a beach disco, but <laughs> what is a beach disco? Um, I am picturing like a kind of a wooden shack type building with the way they described the back door, at least where it's kind of just open and. I guess just where the droids play and people drink soda all night. I'm like, they drink a lot of pop in this book. So (laughs) much soda. Give me a root beer. Give me a soda. I'm like, where do you guys drink water? (laughs) Not at the beach disco. (laughs) No, no. There, that's where, that's where you got it. If you're not going to drink booze, you have to get your caffeine fix. Yeah. I need to get hyped up for the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course, Steven shows up with Betsy at the beach disco. Yeah. And he's just trying to get her out and get her mind off of things. And that's where we get to meet his friend, Jason. Yay, Jason Stone. Yes. He's just the cute. I picture him as just so cute. I have a whole mental image of him with his glasses and his curly hair and everything. And like Steven, he just seems like such a nice, good guy. I was so glad when he came into the, into the picture. (laughs) Yeah. Jason shows up when Betsy and uh, Steven are having a, having a root beer. They're, they're sitting down at the beach disco, having a little root beer. And he kind of pops in and is like, Hey man, how you doing? And, and he, he seems to be taken with Betsy pretty much right off the bat. Oh yeah. I was like, love it first sight. I feel like. Yeah, and I, I got the impression that he didn't really know anything about Betsy before or... No, no, like her trashy reputation. Reputation-wise, yes. Yeah, I, I, don't think he, I don't think he did know about that because he's away at school. You're right. And so then when Jason says, I've heard a lot about you and referring to Betsy, she that triggers her in thinking that, oh, he's heard the rumors about me and he's heard yeah. about my reputation. And she gets really, she instantly tenses up and kind of lashes out at him yeah um, she gets very defen- defensive and yes. then when she feels defensive I think she's when she gets angry <laughs> yeah yeah and you know and really what Jason was referring to that he's heard that well first her sister has died and so mm-hmm. I think he feels some empathy there and then also that she's a really good artist yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he just happens to teach a art class at the community center <laughs> He was like really encouraging and kind of was like, it's for all kinds of people. And Betsy kind of kept fighting back and he just kept on kind of lovingly, you know, encouraging her to do it. And she did say something like, so you think I should, Stephen? And Mm -hmm. that was a little nudge she needed. And if he hadn't said, yeah, I think you should, that maybe she she wouldn't have. So yeah, because she is kind of very focused still on Stephen um, at this moment. She does say something actually interesting at this moment, after she agrees to go to the class, she says, um, Jason's kind of, he's so happy. And he's like, I promise you won't be disappointed. And then he kind of touches her on the hand and she kind of recoils and she kind of gets that hard look back in her eyes. And she said, don't forget that this is purely a student teacher relationship. She said an icy edge to her voice. It's not going any further. So you can forget all about those things you've heard about me. I'm not like that anymore. Um, yeah, like she gets defensive. and But I also think that setting that boundary with him is not a bad idea. <laughs> no, it's really not because you have to, you know, it, it's, I think everyone should be, I, I set boundaries straight off the bat too. You yes. know? So I, don't, I don't think it's wrong that she does it, especially because there are so many people that probably have tried to take advantage of her that 
she can't recognize the good from the bad at this point. Yeah. And she's like basically saying, you know, I want to go to this art class. That's what I'm doing. I, like, this is not something I'm entertaining right now. Um, right. And I was all worried because when they were saying like life drawing class, I'm like, is this where they are doing like new drawings? I was, I, and I was so worried that that was going to be the case when she showed up and he asked her to model or something. Oh my gosh. Imagine. Cause just, but you know, he seemed too nice for it to be going that direction. So I was pretty. <laughs> that been so bad. Yeah. You're the new student. Every new student has to model their first class strip down and. Oh my God. Here's your robe. That would have been so bad. Okay. I'm glad that didn't happen. Thank goodness. But something does, we don't see the art. This is another moment I would have enjoyed seeing. Yeah. Heard the, the art, art class. The art class happened. Yes. I would yeah. have loved to see that. And like how, what he's saying and how she's reacting to it and you know, I would love to see that whole scene. And so we come in Betsy post art class storming in completely furious. Yeah. And her story is that, you know, it was going well and Jason was being super encouraging and she was enjoying it. And then she said at the end of the class, he asked her out. What do you think happened here, Donna? Like, <sighs> I picture it as he kept coming around she was probably doing a great job and he's an artist and they have this in common and he thinks she's beautiful and you know he just see something special about her and she was probably loosening up during class because she was doing the thing that made her feel comfortable which is her art so she's probably feeling comfortable he's feeling comfortable they're probably jiving i'm imagining with each other and i think he truly just wanted to hey this went well let's go grab a coffee or go, <laughs> go on a date or something and and then she just immediately probably tensed up and went back to, oh, that's the, that is the only reason he wanted me in the art class after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that did not go particularly well. <laughs> no, but sweet Jason just doesn't give up. <laughs> he doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny when he showed up, I was like, oh my gosh, Jason, like give it a rest. But then he did return her, had to return her sketchbook that she left yeah. at class. Yeah. Yes. And how convenient, you know, so that was a good way for him to come in. Otherwise this all may have ended right right there and we wouldn't have gotten our whole great story at the end <laughs> oh yes yeah and he brings up this this competition at the la academy of fine arts where they're going to accept i think three people and they get a full four-year scholarship room and board all covered and and it's like the class like him and steven are really kind of encouraging her to yeah. to submit her portfolio and then and, and Betsy's like, okay, yeah, maybe. And then Jason, pull, Jason pulls a Jason, which is yeah. he's, his intentions are good. They are so pure. I think he really just admires her artwork. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, he's like, well, I thought maybe you could come over and we could put your portfolio together. And that was like, nope, shut it down. Shut it down. She shut that down hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time, big time. Big I think time. she storms off and, you know, then Steven talks about how Betsy can be moody. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's grief for you. <laughs> She's got mood swings. <laughs> Betsy gets a pass on like almost anything she does in this book. She does. I'll <laughs> give her say. a pass. I will absolutely give her a pass. <laughs> Any mood swings, I, she gets a total pass in this. Total, total. And then was it Elizabeth that came, or was it like a group decision or Elizabeth just came up with, hey, 
even though she doesn't know about it, let's just do this for her. <laughs> yeah, let's submit. Let's like fill yeah. out the application, forge the signature. I mean, who cares? <laughs> it's like, whoa, Elizabeth, you can scheme too. <laughs> yep. Another side scheme. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, they're going to submit her, her application without her knowing. So yep. that's, uh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I think, okay, now we can talk about the best sub story in the history <laughs> of Sweet Valley High so far. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it has to do with Winston Egbert. I love him. Yeah, he's great. He, he is was, great. He's somehow decided to go into the world of competitive eating. Yes. <laughs> so he he decide his goal is to break the world record for the amount of pizzas that are eaten in one sitting. Which, first of all, what does in one sitting mean? I don't know. (laughs) It's like, can I sit here for for 24 hours and just eat 10 pizzas over the course of 24 hours? Yeah, it didn't seem like there was any sort of a time frame or anything like that. Where's the Guinness? Where's the Guinness representative? (laughs) So, but he's going to do this. He's going to make this attempt at Guido's, which is a local pizza place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I love this. There's This is like a whole chapter dedicated to this contest. The way that they were describing Guido's went on and on and on. And <laughs> Donna, when I was reading this, I was reading it in bed. I started laughing so hard. Tears started coming to my eyes. I want to read this because okay, it yes. was just the funniest thing. I couldn't even take it. Okay, this is going to take a little, it's like half a page, maybe a little no, longer. read it. It's funny. So this, is there at Guido's? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't with this. <laughs> okay. After all, it might be the best pizza in the world. Elizabeth agreed enthusiastically. Whenever she entertained out-of-town guests, Guido's was high on her list of attractions. Most visitors, especially those from big cities, were skeptical when she told them that the little town of Sweet Valley boasted the best pizza that side of the Rockies. (laughs) But one bite of a Guido's Deluxe, and they were converts. Some people claimed it was the brick oven that baked up such a perfect crust. Others said it was the secret tomato sauce recipe. Whatever the magic ingredient, no one could resist a Guido's pizza. Least of all, Winston Egbert, who is now on his fifth pie. Oh my gosh, it is hysterical. Is... I can't even tell It's almost like there was a real Guido's. I know, I was like, promises <laughs> sponsored by Guido's. <laughs> and like I said, when I read that part earlier in the, in the week, I went to Taylor Street three nights in a row and got two slices of pizza each time because I just, I was so... No, I swear, last night I ordered out pizza, which I haven't done for like months. (laughs) Like I usually get frozen pizza and like, I was like, I want some real pizza. pizza. (laughs) I like could not get over this. Yeah, I wrote next to it in the book, I wrote hashtag ad. Yes. (laughs) It was great. It was great. It It really really was was. fabulous. Um, Yeah. He didn't break the record. (laughs) He did not break the record. And then it's just so interesting because later that night, the whole Wakefield family is sitting around with Betsy watching the newscast from the, which I don't know what's newsworthy about a story of someone trying to break a record and failing. (laughs) Failing. Well, it is Sweet Valley. That's true. There's not a whole lot else to report. Yeah, exactly. And so during this news report, 
the doorbell rings and it's Jim Martin, Betsy's dad. And so I'm like, okay, like this is going to be an interesting scene. What's going to happen? This is a big reunion. Yeah, yeah. Uh. We get nothing. We literally get nothing. Nothing. All I remember even about that scene is that his clothes were too baggy and he was a little man. I don't know. You have a good memory. It said his eyes bloodshot, his unkept clothes hanging loosely from his small frame was Betsy's father, Jim Martin. End of chapter. I was trying to think of what happened. Did they talk? But nothing happened. Nothing happened. I want to know, where were you, Jim? Yeah. Where were you? Were you in jail? Were you just laying in a gutter somewhere? I mean, who the heck knows? Right. I mean, it sounds like Betsy didn't even talk to her dad. She just called Stephen right away and said like, oh my God, my dad is here. And he just came back from college. Yeah, skipped a whole day of classes. Day and that's class. why I think the parents were like, we've really got to gently step in and you know, we got to we gotta talk to him a little bit. Like, he can't keep doing this. He's going to ruin his future by being skipping school. Exactly. And, and, and Stephen finally tells them about the promise that he made yeah. to Trisha, which I'm like, okay, good. He needs yeah. to share this with someone. His dad is such a sweet guy. You know, like, he totally gets where Stephen's coming from, but he's totally being a dad and wanting to make him do the right thing. But Steven's being pretty stubborn and he's like, no, when I make a promise, I keep it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And, and Ned Wakefield is like, I don't think Trisha would want you to give up your entire life yeah. to take care of her sister. And and she wouldn't. I mean, if Trisha could see this, you know, knowing how, I mean, what a perfect person she was, <laughs> she would not want be wanting this to happen either. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it, and uh, the thing about this conversation is that Jessica overhears. Of course. <laughs> was she on the um, patio for the pool? Like, oh, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She was getting the tan. And she would like scooch closer to the window. Oh, what's that? A conversation I don't belong in. Let me get a little closer to see what information. Right. Right. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, I got the plan now. I have this information. This is what I need to get yep. Betsy out of the house. Yeah, here's her next her next scheme. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, she basically goes to talk to Betsy and says that Stephen is basically only helping you because he made this promise to. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, which plays into all of Betsy's ideas of like there's always an ulterior motivation for a a, a boy being nice to her. Yeah, she was, she got very angry very quickly, which I probably would have too, if I put myself in her shoes. And here's Jessica coming in like, oh yeah, the only reason he's helping you, he promised your dying sister that he would, oh my God, that would just crush my, crush my soul. And I'd probably do exactly what she's going to (laughs) do. Yeah, which is, she starts kind of tearing her pictures down and I'm like, no, not the sketches. (laughs) Yeah. And so she storms out and Jessica's like awesome she was so proud of herself for coming up with that as as betsy's leaving the house jessica overhears her calling charlie cashman who was yep. someone she, who she hung out with in her you know wild days yeah and so jessica's like oh it's hap i told you i told you she couldn't like stay straight uh, straight and narrow or whatever yeah when jessica may as well have just 
pushed her into the dang bar. <laughs> Seriously. And then right then, just seconds too late, enrolls Stephen and Jason with their great surprise news for her, but she's gone. <laughs> yep. Yes. And so then I think they tell Jessica about the, the scholarship, which, yeah, Betsy has won the scholarship. Yes. Woo! Amazing. Hey, <laughs> but she's MIA with Charlie Cashman somewhere. Yep. yep. So-, <laughs> <laughs> so they have to... They have to go to Mad Search for her, starting out at Kelly's and then to my favorite place, the Shady Lady. Shady Lady. <laughs> shady lady. I mean, with a, with a name like that. It's <laughs> it can't be good, but I want to go. <laughs> but I still want to go there. I mean, <laughs> and so does Betsy and Charlie Cashman. <laughs> she has a rum and coke, but she's not really drinking it. She's kind of, she's not she's feeling it. In it. She's not feeling it. She's. I picture her just like, Uh, you know, just, I think she's just sad and is looking for a way to distract her from how sad that she feels and how probably stupid, she probably feels stupid too with living about that, like right away. And so she's just sitting there with those two and then Stephen and Jason pull up and see the Harley Davidson and know that she's in there and they're going to, they're going to go get her out of there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as they enter, she's like, oh, I got to put up like an act. And so she's like, ah. She chugs that drink right away. She like chugs it. She's like, I'll have another. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, they, uh, they kind of are like Betsy, you know, come with us. And, and I think Charlie takes the lead. He's the one that kind of is the more the aggressive one and is like, yeah, the lady wants to stay with us. Did you not hear the lady's wishes? She does not want to go with you, even though I think she really does. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree with that. And then there's, uh, yeah, it comes to blows. Yes. <laughs> and it seems like Charlie has the advantage because he's just a taller, muscular guy. And Like first, Stephen, Stephen takes the first punch. Like I think Charlie got him in the jaw. Oh, you're right. He, yes. Yes. He kind of brings him back and like, Jason's just playing it cool over there, you know? And he just kind of calmly, you know, Stephen's getting backed into a corner and he knew he wouldn't have a way out. So eventually Jason just stands like right between them and everyone's like, oh, don't worry, I can just blow you over. And Charlie went to go take a swing at him. He just definitely like ducked out of the way and the momentum just mm-hmm. carried Charlie forward. He fell flat on his face as he was going down. Like Jason got his foot hooked underneath his ankle. So he just boom, right on his face. I was like, yeah, because we find out that not only is Jason an artist, he also yes. has a brown belt in karate. Yes. In karate. Who knew? Right away, I was in love with him. I mean, this guy is a catch. I know. I thought the same thing. And Betsy is, is impressed by this. Yes. She's like, oh, okay. All of a sudden, she sees him. Now that Steven's out of the picture, I think all of a sudden it was like, dun, dun, dun. And the light just came down on Jason and she just saw, okay, this guy's great. And like, he had no, he had really no motivation to fight. It was something he was doing because of just the pureness of his, his appreciation for her and like wanting the best for her and knowing this wasn't a good situation for her. And, and he wasn't looking for anything in return. She was thankfully let her defenses come down enough to to recognize that Mm -hmm. yeah well I think like Stephen leaves the bar and then somehow we leave the bar without getting the moment where Jason actually tells Betsy she got the scholarship (laughs) 
It said he walked across the street to the oh. Dairy Mart so yes. Jason could be alone with her to tell her. But then you don't really hear him telling her about it. No. And then I think the next thing you know, the Wakefields, you know, they like to throw a party for any reason. So the next, I think then they're just at the her going away party for art school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where we end is this party at the Wakefields. And I got to say, I was very pleasantly surprised that Betsy and Jason did not really get together at the end yeah. of this book, she's talking to Elizabeth and, you know, she's talking about going back to school and how she wants to kind of try to reconnect with her father and, you know, how maybe that she could help him the way that Elizabeth and the Wakefield helped her. And, and then Elizabeth's like, I hope so. And Betsy says, I think I'll be able to, Betsy said confidently, especially with friends like Jason and Steven. And she was getting strength from friendships. Yes. And I really... I feel like so many times in this book is like the end goal is the relationship. And it's like, oh my gosh, she has solid friendships. Yeah, which is really what she needs and to get the strength to go on to this next phase of her life. But don't worry, they end up married, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I have to believe. (laughs) I know. I think like she needs to focus on herself, focus on her art right now. And that's what she should be focusing on. And I think that's like, Oh my gosh, I love the way that that ended. Yeah, and I think he, Jason, is smart enough to know that that's what she needs to focus on too. And, and then down the line, that's when they're going to reconnect you know, <laughs> years later. They, they will. <laughs> I, do, I, th- I think that they will as well. But okay, good. <laughs> I, one thing that was a little disappointing about this book as, as we kind of close here is that Jessica doesn't seem to have any realizations about her judgment of Betsy at all. Like there's no kind of, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been so harsh. She just doesn't really have an arc that way. No, she's missing some part of her. Something's missing with her. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like trying to think of if Jessica is capable of empathy for anyone. I don't think so. That's sociopathic, isn't it? Yes. It is. No, that's a really good point, which is something we kind of brought up in the last episode, Kidnapped, with like, yeah, like this ability oh, to yeah. feel empathy and how Elizabeth's kidnapper did have empathy. So so he wasn't yeah. a true sociopath. So I don't know. You might have something. <laughs> so we'll see what happens next. I hope Betsy does well. I really hope she does. Yeah, she will. I, I just know it. <laughs> yes. Um, so Donna, we always close the podcast with a lesson. Yes. Do you have a lesson that you took away from this book? Oh. Yeah, it's the most obvious one. It's just don't judge other people unless you have walked in their shoes. You know, you cannot judge people. And then the second one is don't slut shame people. It's even if she was doing all the bad things in the world or everything, you know, being with all these guys, it's still her business. But still, don't judge other people unless you've unless you've walked in their shoes. That's that's the big lesson I took away. <laughs> yep, I think that's a great lesson. Yeah, sure. and um, yeah, what I took away from this one is I really appreciated how they talked about creativity as like a way to deal with grief or feelings, you know, whether it's yeah. writing, whether it's painting, whether it's any kind of outlet that you can kind of use as a channel for emotions can be a really healthy way to deal with things. I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now in the world, <laughs> so, <laughs> to say the least. Sure. To say the least, I started doing puzzles. I mean, <laughs> right? It can be anything, and like you don't have to be like a Michelangelo, like Betsy, or you know, an amazing gossip columnist like Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. You, you can just—you don't have to be the best basketball player. No, or the other. just have something to 
to help you with the stress. We all need that right now. Or it, it just sinks you so quick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this was Donna. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this was so much fun. I had a great I time. I love it. It's always fun kind of talking with someone who has familiarity with the series. It's just like you yeah. kind of dig into things a little bit. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, well, I will close us out by uh, saying, uh, please subscribe to the Lessons from Sweet Valley podcast on iTunes and leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. Also, please visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to get updates and more information about episodes when they are released. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Donna, for coming. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you next week for book 16, Rags to Riches.